superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berenday, and today I have with me Megan Murphy, and we're going to be talking about her film, The Breast Archives, and women's empowerment through body wisdom. Megan Murphy is an award-winning director and producer with 25 years of experience in film and broadcast. During her 12 years with WGBH Educational Foundation, Megan produced programs in various genres, including documentary, public affairs, cooking shows, news, and children's series. Her film repertoire includes Night Deposit, Fathers and Sons, and Victor's Big Score. Now, after completing a two-year women's mystery school and training as a youth mentor, Murphy launched Deliberate Healing Productions, LLC, to create The Breast Archives, a film about women's body-based wisdom. And this is definitely where you and I connect, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. Absolutely. Um, So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. I have a feeling we're going to go into some deep and juicy and fun, exciting places. Mm -hmm. Before we launch into that, why don't you go ahead and share with us what are your superpowers? Superpowers. Well, I have a handful. Mm -hmm. Uh, One I wanted to mention is my hands. I have a raw power in my hands Mm. and it's always been there. I have this capacity to to heal um, in a, a, a slightly benign way, but when I put my hands in space for healing, they are powerful. I um, I've seen it many times. I've never put it into a specific and disciplined practice, but I've always had a, a, a deep awareness of my hands as something. Uh, mysterious from when I was a small kid on the school bus. I always was looking at people's hands, noticing the different types of hands, looking at my hands, comparing them to other people's hands. I always noticed people's hands in photographs. And uh, I've had this sort of (laughs) kind of, um, you know, this subtext uh, sort of silently parallel paralleling my life. And um, I've actually decided that that's what my next film is going to be about. Yeah, I was going to say, that it sounds like the hands archives, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I am a, a closeted kind of palm reader. I do. Oh, fun. It's uh, a very interesting thing to, to do. And I, I've, I've read a lot of books about it and I, but when I do do it, which isn't very often, um, I sometimes feel like I'm channeling information because mm-hmm. uh, I get these details about people that wouldn't necessarily be presented in the lines themselves, but there's um, some global information that's true for everyone that one can see in the hands. And it really is, ends up being very reassuring for people it it's very validating for people to have their palms read and and I really enjoy it. I think it's it's fascinating. So that's one of my superpowers, slightly undeveloped. And my other slightly more developed superpower would be my curiosity. <laughs> it's rather insatiable. <laughs> awesome. I love it. That's, that's so fun. And and I am 
I'm guessing that it's this curiosity that led to um, this film, The Breast Archives. I really want to hear how that film came into being. Like, what was your journey with it? Yeah, and you're going to love this story. Um, I, you know, have long been a television producer, sort of journalist type person asking questions. So therefore, the curiosity was always there. Always... um, wanting to know sort of what was the passion driving a person's career or, or sort of line of work. I I, I did all my interviews sort of with that sort of hypothesis. How is what you do for a living an expression of who you are? And there was always a a deep curiosity driving that. Um, But my curiosity has certain motives that I've it's taken time for me to fully understand because it's not really what you would think on the surface as a simple curiosity. It's, it's more than that. It's about, it is about accessing another person's inner knowing or their inner wisdom. I'm always sort of after that, but then there's this desire that's innate to have them discover something inside of that mm-hmm. examination. So there's this, and so it, it helped me get really rich content. And when I would go out in the field with crews and conduct interviews with, you know, every type of person you can imagine. Um, when I was working at the PBS station and in, and even before that, just in my work as a producer doing different projects, but let's move over to the breast archives I um, I had done a woman's mystery school, Elisa Starkweather's uh-huh. The Priestess Path, mm-hmm. and that had really opened my eyes to the fact that women were holding on to a lot of story, and there was a lot of rage. There was a lot of wisdom and expertise that society doesn't always easily embrace, shamanic type wisdom, um, but even a sort of a gender preference had been suppressed. Um, A certain knowing had never really been able to be safely communicated. And so I, I discovered that, gosh, women had all of these stories. And here I am, a television producer, always looking and digging for stories. So I started to become tuned in to the unique experience of women in our culture, I also started to realize that women's experiences were largely body-based experiences, but that the culture focused on the mind's experience of the self and the mind's Mm -hmm. sort of journey in a career. Whereas women are pregnant or they're nursing or they're bleeding or they're bulging or they're, you know, they're just sort of expressing through the soft and squishy body that is a woman's reality Mm -hmm. and that that context is so often not honored in the mainstream media, in the narrative stories that were fed since children. Um, And we just overlook this very important premise of of a woman's life, which is her her body-based identity. And I started to realize that I was myself complicit in this storytelling technique that didn't 
that was a woman was either pregnant or she wasn't. She was either bleeding or she wasn't. There wasn't any nuance whatsoever. And mm-hmm. here I am, this sort of feminist in a women's mystery school and working at PBS and, and traveling the world. And I was supposed to be the type that was um, so open and insightful and whatnot. And I realized I myself was complicit in this tendency to overlook the body-based experience of women. So that's kind of the backdrop a little bit that led me to the breast archives. But the big thing that happened, well, it, it was also a very breasty year. <laughs> I, everyone seemed to be either afraid of breast cancer or was being diagnosed with it or was having mammograms. And I myself had been called back for a second mammogram. And I had just sort of been the dutiful citizen going for my annual mammogram, just doing what I was told around caring for my body and not really having ever developed a kind of an intuitive discourse with the body. And I'm a yogi. Believe me, I do a lot of yoga. Uh, yoga. I've been practicing it for 25 years. I did it this morning. I really love it. And even though I had that, you would say, advantage, I, I still was embedded, that my identity was embedded in my mind's experience of myself for the, for, for the most part. Yes. So anyway, here I am having another mammogram. And, and but there were so many you know, women were having double mastectomies because they had fibrous breasts. I had friends with babies who couldn't nurse and who felt this incredible deep shame for not wanting to nurse or for not being able to do it for longer than 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 two months or whatever. So, and then I was in this priestess path and we were doing, occasionally we would do rituals where we would take off our tops. And it was this big deal to do that with 22 women. It was like, oh, oh, um, and some women had no problem with it. Other women refused. And I struggled with it. And I was a newlywed. I was comfortable with my body. But still there was this veil between being seen by women fully and totally. And somehow the breasts represented that totality of, of the self in some way, shape, or form. And so these were different things that were happening. And then I was in Egypt, Tashian. I was, mm. I was actually traveling in Egypt. And it was a, a unique trip because it happened, I went in 2011. And I had been paying incrementally for this trip for many, many months. And suddenly the country fell apart politically and there was this revolution and this man who had been in power for 40 years, Mubarak had stepped down and the ministry of whatever was on fire and my parents and my husband and all my friends were like, don't go. And I'm like, I will lose all my money. If I do not go, I am going. And I went and we ended up kind of coming in to sort of the eye of the storm, a a great calm had come over the country. It was very safe. There was not even a single issue. I never felt afraid, but the important piece here is that the country was emptied of tourists. There was no one else there, it seemed, but us. (laughs) And the group that I was with had been reduced from a group of 20 to a group of just seven. And so there were seven women and I didn't know any of them. And so we started to move around the country. We, we went to 12 different sites. And so 
fast forward to one morning, it was pre-dawn and I was at a temple called Filet down near the Sudanese border. And this temple is, is specifically dedicated to Isis, who was a, a great and grand goddess in time. Um, huge goddess on, on earth, you know, for she was, you know, she was revered for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there was no one there at this temple. And while I was sort of walking around and in my own thoughts, I got a kind of a, a gut feeling, a message, some kind of cosmic download. And the message was simple. It said, within the breasts, there is contained an ancient wisdom. Mm. And it didn't mean much to me at first. I kind of filed it away as something interesting, but it was a visceral thing that kind of came into me, kind of sort of, you know, coursed through me in a rather visceral way. And I've had that experience a handful of times in my life. So I, I know enough to not poo-poo it and ignore it. I know that it's something that I have to process. And so I'll never forget, I was on the plane ride home back to JFK or wherever I was going back to. And in my ear, there was like this, Breast, ancient wisdom, ancient wisdom, breast, 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 ancient wisdom. And I'm like, oh, this is something I need to pursue. What does this mean? What what is this ancient wisdom? Mm -hmm. And because I was interviewing people at least twice a week, I mean, I was a working producer interviewing people. I was very comfortable with the idea of of sitting down and asking women, what's this? Do you have a breast-based wisdom? And if so, tell me what it is. What is this? breast-based wisdom. And so I decided that I would just gather women informally and ask them about it. And it wasn't initially intended to be um, a a project, a documentary, you know, it was kind of like an experimental inquiry. Mm -hmm. But I got these women to agree to come. I kind of cast my net out to my little community here, which was a fairly sizable community because of some, some important people with lots of girlfriends and connections and whatnot. And then plus I was in the priestess path and I just knew, you know, a lot of people I was, I'm a fairly social person. And, uh, but I only ended up getting nine women. Well, a couple people canceled on the day of the interviews. They backed out for different reasons, but I ended up with nine women um, over the course of two series of interviews. And I knew right away as I started asking them about their childhood and when their breasts first came in and just every producer knows to go back in time and get a kind of biographical backdrop. And I stumbled into a cachet of story that had never had an outlet. Mm. And I knew from my experience with the priestess path that there was all this suppressed story and feelings and experience that had never had a forum in this culture. And here I was tapping into a place where it was like a portal and it, and it came flowing out. Um, they were um, retelling with the greatest detail experiences in middle school in sixth grade when they were 11, 10, nine, you know, all of those adventures and misadventures that a teenage girl goes through once her body starts to change when she's 
pre-sexual. She doesn't have a sexual bone in her body. And yet here is this emerging sensual body. Well, the, a body that's perceived as sensual by the patriarchy, the men, the uncles, the fathers, the garbage men, the mailmen, everyone, the yeah. boys in the classrooms now will be treating most of the time a girl differently. And girls oftentimes don't know how to navigate. So they suppress a lot of those mixed feelings. And so here I am sitting there with my makeup artist, my camera operator, my production assistant, and we're just watching wide-eyed as these women are just, um, you know, sort of pummeling me with, with all of this story. And I knew I had stumbled into something completely unique. I mean, with all of my experience, I was, I was just dumbfounded that I had had stumbled into this sort of portal of access to all of this rich and textured story. And so I was um, deeply moved by um, the revelations. And then, of course, everyone agree, had agreed to take off their tops in these interviews. I had, you know, arranged for that in advance. It seemed ridiculous to talk about a woman's breast wisdom and not see her breasts. And so these nine brave souls had said, okay, I'll do it. And some of them had required some, you know, some coddling. Others just were like, I'm in. <laughs> but um, I thought the juxtaposition of this honest storytelling and this recounting of their experiences as girls, and then the influence of those experiences as they grew and had to navigate through the pitfalls that women struggle with. I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, everyone knows the contradictions and the duplicity of living as a woman um, in patriarchy. You know, you're a virgin or you're a whore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it follows from there. And, uh, so and so I, I am really excited to dive deeper into some of the pearls of wisdom that you took out of this experience. We do have to go to a quick break. Um, I'm like just so taken by this story. Um, and I'm very excited. I'm sure some of our listeners are as well. Uh, it's a very powerful story and I want to hear more about it. And if you do too, you're, you would do well to stay tuned after our break. But um, before we go to break, can you please tell our listeners, where they can find out more about you, where they can find out more about the film. I know you have some exciting things coming down the pipeline about how to how people can have access to this film, but you can just tell them where they can get more information. Sure, sure. The, the film's website is thebreastarchives.org, and I have a, a YouTube channel as well, the, the Breast Archives channel. Beautiful. So we've been talking with Megan Murphy about her film, The Breast Archives and Women's Empowerment Through Body Wisdom. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned because when we get back, she's going to share with us some just real pearls of this experience. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, and we're back. 
back. So Megan, as you're sitting here with these women and they are really bearing their all, I mean, quite literally, physically bearing their breasts and bearing these stories, what, what started to move in you through that experience? What were some of the, the gems that you took away from, from this experience? Well, one of the biggest things that I realized was that these women's stories were my stories and that my stories were their stories mm-hmm. and that we were having apparently a collective experience mm. of being a woman. And I, I think that, that that experience is true across the first world. Um, and it, it's a, it's a world that has, that's a particular patriarchy. It's a kind of an anglicized world. It's, it's Canada, it's America, it's Australia. It's England, of course. And then there's Ireland. It's not so much Europe. Um, right, because women can go topless on the beach in Europe. There's, it, there's less shame around the breasts. It's not just that. It's the, it's the Im- powerful influence of England and English. And that Anglicization, uh, uh, that pa- pa- patriarchal Anglicization creates a unique experience for women. So let's talk about this. I, like, what is this experience that you heard all of these women talking about and that you related so strongly to? Well, there's a distinct powerlessness inside of a hierarchical system. And there's a manipulation of the feminine. Uh, and, but there's a lot of consent that starts very early. It's, it starts in the teenage years. I mean, just for... No, wait, I'm just going to stop you for one moment because I know that that, that word consent is, is a word that's been going around um, lately. And, and I got the sense that you used it in a way that maybe we haven't been using it collectively when we're talking about all of these different experiences sexually as women. And so when you said there's consent... You mean on, on the part of the women in taking part in this? I'll give you an example of how I'm using consent. Okay, great. I'm not a mom, but like I have sisters who are, and there's a certain discrimination against girls that happens and happens and is reinforced and just repeats itself in perpetuity for many, 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 many years now. And But moms will consent to it because it allows their girls to remain powerful in a system. The girls, the moms want their girls to succeed and they want their girls to have any kind of advantage. And if a girl starts to say, I'm a feminist, I'm independent, I don't, I do it my way. She runs the risk and the moms know this of being ostracized. And so moms and girls will to a certain extent, consent to the cultural mores because they need to operate within them in order to advance within a particular system. Yes, because it's how they, how they can have power within that system. Right, and it's what they know. It's what their mothers did and their grandmothers before them, and, and maybe they did it very well and were able to access a certain kind of power within that paradigm and operate. But it's a, it's, it's a handicap and um, and there is no solution for this terrible handicap that we're all shackled with. But that's what I meant when I said consent. I mean, I'm not casting no, judgment no, on I, it. Uh, 
I really want to appreciate you for naming that because it is something that I work with with my clients and I think it's a it's kind of like a big shadow side that we're not looking at not from a blaming perspective but just from an acknowledging that like we are absolutely saying yes in some capacity to operating in this way and so my question to you then and it's a big question and so you know take your time with it and maybe you'll have an answer at the ready but I'd just be so curious to hear what you see from your from from your experience of creating this film. What's the alternative? Well, you'll be happy to know that it I think and I don't have all the answers of course, but I think there is it comes back to the body and reclaiming the body. One thing I've discovered is that when a girl is 10 or 11 whenever she kind of starts to hit puberty, there's a certain way she's introduced to her body in this anglicized patriarchy. And for example, we're told we have five senses and there are actually hundreds of senses, like a sense of distance, a sense of time. I mean, there's so many different types of senses and yet we're told we have five. And then we don't really get told what the pancreas does, what the liver does, what the, you know, um, what our different organs are doing. And so we don't, and we certainly do not bond with our periods, our underarm, our, our underarm deodorant, I mean, our underarm um, aroma, our smell, whatever, you know, the, the musky note. We don't say, what's your musky note? <laughs> um, we say ban or secret. You know, and we don't talk about our our periods, our menstruation as a kind of an experience of flow that's cyclical. We say Playtex or Tampax. It's like the shot to so we don't have it at all, right? Yeah, this materialism kicks in. And so we interface with the body through products. Mm -hmm. And then we have product loyalty. And that becomes this premise Um, by which we experience our bodily selves as we are introduced to the bodily self. So it's a critical corridor in time. So you've got the five senses limitation. You've got the materialism of the way you're interfacing with the body. And then there is no pride. There's no, um, you know, you don't learn to um, claim the body as a a place of magic. Mm -hmm. You, you're, you're, and we're sidetracked by boys and music and pom poms, and and we don't want to do anything else but the boys and music and pom poms. So, you know, it's funny; it all kind of just falls into place time and again. And there's this this kind of form of consent within that. So it's a very tricky um, place to to examine even and talk about because. Um, because there's so much agreement and there's so much change going on. But what happens is a girl disconnects from her body and then from there is very profoundly disadvantaged. What happens to boys is equally as tragic. They disconnect from their hearts, which ends up being a double whammy for girls, of course, but they're totally connected with their body. They're raising their hands in class. They're excelling in sports and everyone is applauding that. Whereas girls start to shrink. And by the time the period comes, girls are just, you know, there's a kind of a low-grade drama going on. There's smells, there's pimples, there's greasy hair, there's blood, and there's all sorts of things happening. And there's not really an adequate um, embrace of that as magic. 
And so then girls move forward without an understanding orgasm of the vulva versus the clitoris versus the yoni versus the vagina versus the pussy. I mean, there's all these different words. And, you know, I want to mention one other thing, language. Language is a big handicap too. We do not have the words that we can share with one another. There's no synonym Actually, I found out when I was writing a business plan for the breast archives, there's no synonym for the word body. There's no synonym. And so we're like, body, body, body. You know, we, we don't have this, um, you know, cornucopia of words that we can talk with our girlfriends about. What's your experience of your yoni? What's your experience of your sense of time. You know, we don't have the words. So it's a built-in handicap. Um, and I, if it's intentional, I think it's absolutely diabolical. I mean, I think the powers that be must have some sense of this sort of built-in disadvantage. Um, but I think women, the time has come for us to, to look at this and create language, create new contexts, and, and, and new conversations that are more honest and forthcoming about this, this, these things. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. I mean, I think about it. I have a, a daughter that I'm raising, you know, and she's only five and a half right now, but we're going to get there. And, you mm. know, I'm already very aware of the ways that, you know, there's a desire to fit in. And I think a lot of this consent that you're talking about comes very much from that place of like, well, I have to I have to say yes so that I can like you said I can succeed. Right. And so how do we begin a sort of a different kind of a conversation with with our young girls um you know one of my one of my future goals is to have um alternate programming for young men and women in school around how they learn about their bodies and how they learn about sex. Right. Um because I think it's just, it's such a cornerstone of, of all of the problems that we're seeing emerging right it now. Is. You know, I mean, it's all over the media. You can't, you can't live a day right now without hearing about some other, um, you know, perpetration, some other accusation of sexual exploitation. I mean, it's like, this is a hot topic right now. We are in this. It is, but there's a lot of finger pointing and yeah. there's a lot of sort of skimming across the surface still. Yeah. I, I've done the School of Womanly Arts. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mama Gina. She's mm -hmm. Regina Thomasauer is her name. And um, I just, on the 1st and 2nd of December, was down in Manhattan at the Javits Center. I mean, she gets so many people at these, at these gatherings, 2,500 women. And the entire course is based on her word, pussy. And she's, she's, she's the one who brought pussy kind of Donald Trump obviously was also using the word pussy. Well, men have been using the word pussy forever, but she claimed it a couple years ago, mm -hmm. maybe as much of a decade ago, but she's, she's got a couple of bestsellers. She's got a huge following and she's very good at um, introducing women to the yoni, the pussy, the vagina, whatever your word is. Well, the problem is we all have different words and we don't have really good words. Vagina, by the way, is a man's word and it means the sheath for a sword. So uh, we don't really have good words. That language issue, of course, is there. Um, but there's an incredible power that is based um, in the pussy, her word, my word now, I'm trying to own that word, pussy, but but it's like an antenna. It's like a device. It's a tool. And it 
it can be very guiding. I think the breasts are guiding too, and the breasts are the face of the heart as well. So we have these two zones, the breasts and the pussy, that have unique areas in the brain that when aroused light up. And so what is this light up? What is this? Is it is it just arousal? Is it just a capacity to orgasm? And then what is orgasm? What is climax? What is that? I looked at all of the sex um, education coursework in all the big colleges a couple of years ago looking for a course or a curriculum that looked at orgasm and very few do. Um, it's a it's kind of like this place of power that women have a unique access to as men do too. But we've, there's something very important that's been taught out of us. And oh, yeah, we're not taught how to use work. it. We're not taught how to use it for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the breast archives kind of put me on that journey of trying to find out more. I knew that women's breasts were linked to their orgasm and sometimes it's not at all, but I knew that it was for many women and that's, and that that's also true for men in a different way. But, um, but I, 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 you know, I became a, a trained yoga teacher because I needed words and terms and to better understand anatomy. And then I started going, attending Mama Gina's courses, the School of Womanly Arts, and, and learning and hearing the stories and learning the wonder of, of, the, of the vagina, of the, of the pussy. And so this has been an amazing, amazing exploration for me. You know, I was raised Catholic in, you know, I had an aunt who was a nun and, a, and another uncle on the other side of the family who was a priest. I mean, the dutiful big Catholic family from northern New Jersey. And so body was not really <laughs> a topic of discussion by any stretch. It was sin, on, right? On your own. Yeah. You know, we were just on our own. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you, but, but the... But spirit is is magical, and spirit provides, and you you learn yourself through kind the kindness of wonderful boyfriends or husbands, and friends and teachers, and you you make bump your way along in life, and hopefully you discover your power or this power, you know when you're still young enough to to claim it as a platform and be. A sort of a stand for others and and so that's what I'm hoping to do with the breast archives I mean the, the breast archives is more of a healing inspiring kind of um, oh wow I mean it's just a, a collection of stories that are everyone's stories really and so in that way it's retroactively healing especially for older women who watch the film mm -hmm. they just can't believe that that's their story and oh my god they're kind of vicariously experiencing themselves through these women and the nine women you know spirit was kind to me i i got a good spectrum of of women mm. across you know the different chakra systems and the different archetypes but it and i think it also can work well for 13 year old girls to you know get a sense of the women's sexuality women's um you know, how you have to, a lot of women have been sexually molested and, and that those experiences get stuffed into crevices and they come out in different ways. And we, we have stories, we are powerful. And, and then when our breasts are exposed and we're talking honestly about ourselves, 
the juxtaposition of that can be very uplifting and inspiring and, and healing. So I think it's an important tool, I think, that people can use. And I think men have really found, discovered the breast archives. I mean, I have, I just looked last night, I have almost 730,000 views on mm. um, YouTube because and 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 like almost three hundred thousand views of a, of a mother's breast. That's one of my chapters in the film. It's about breastfeeding, and there's breast cancer is in, is touched on in the film as well. So it's really everything that you can imagine around the breast is the breast archives. So with nine women chiming in um, again and again, it took me a long time to put the narrative structure together in a way that. I felt was good enough. I mean, 25 years as a producer and working in the business, it had to be just right. It had to be successful. It had to, it had to really work. And I think it, and I think it does. Yeah. I mean, when you're given, when you're given such precious stories like that, it really is quite a responsibility to take good care of them and Mm -hmm. put them together in a way that's honoring of, of what those women were courageous enough to come forward and offer. Oh, such a blessing for me and for everyone. So for the women out there who are listening to this right now, you know, say that maybe this conversation is is awakening to them like, wow, I haven't really been very in touch with my breasts. Like I have, you know, we talk about breasts and, and power and I have no idea where to even start in that conversation. You know, what would you recommend to, to women who are just starting out on this journey of reconnecting with their body and of gaining some empowerment through that pathway? Well, I can tell you, that a daily or a regular grooming practice really helps. Um, you know, someone gave me the gift of some breast balm, um, B-A-L-M, uh, uh, right at the beginning of my journey with this film. And I was like, oh, I have a cream that I like to use on my entire body and I don't need a, a, a special product for my breasts. And But it was a gift. And so I finally did try it. And then I was shocked to realize that my, this, this, this massage, this sort of exploration of this landscape as part of myself, this tender kind of self kind of uh, touching, it wasn't sexual. It was just a kind of a caring massage of the breast, all of a sudden my heart became activated and, Mm. and there was this self love that sort of fluttered into, 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 into being. And I thought, all of you need breast balm. Oh my gosh. And I actually have been making it with an herbalist friend for four years and we've done so many batches and I just picked up a, our latest batch last night and I'm, you know, selling it. It sold out at my, at my premiere. <laughs> it's this breast balm. And when you deliberately care for your breasts, there's an awakening of a feminine essence that becomes possible. And I deeply believe that. And I think it's very important for women who have a, um, a breast cancer history in their family who are afraid to touch their breasts because they're afraid to find a lump. It's those women who especially need to start just touching their breasts every month, getting to know that landscape, feeling around, feeling for lumps or, or just you know, sort of just getting in touch with their breasts and loving their breasts, love Mm. your breasts. And the juxtaposition of the heart with the breasts, there's no accident there. I I really believe, I believe that it's like this middle heaven. I, I really believe that this is a place of feminine identity that needs to be reclaimed. I mean, I think the pussy needs to be reclaimed too, 
but we have two wonderful zones of discovery that that we have overlooked. <laughs> so it's actually a very exciting time for women for those reasons. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, Megan's um, suggestion of really honoring your breasts that way is such a powerful one. I too, I make a breast oil that I use almost daily. Um, and it, it's, it does bring you into a different level of connection with your body and just real honoring. You know, I'm, I have a daughter. I, you know, I had trouble making milk, but I did nurse her. And, you know, I went through a, a lot of shame and stories around that personal experience. But so for me, being able to really honor my breasts, even though they weren't maybe able to do everything that I wanted them to do, and there's a lot of backstory to that and whatever, but, you know, to just really honor them anyway, and to just acknowledge them. And, and, you know, it's such a powerful practice. And so I really, you know, if you're listening to this, and that's the first time you've ever heard or considered that kind of practice, I highly recommend it. It's very powerful, very valuable. And thank you, Megan, for, for offering it up. Sure. Um, this has been such a wonderful conversation and please, please, please go to thebreastarchives.org and look up this powerful film, learn more about it, learn more about what you can do to support its dissemination. I mean, I would love to see this as, as part of this education of young women as they come into maturation, you know, to be able to hear these stories. We, we learned through stories. And, and so to be able to, to hear other women's stories and to, to relate to them and to see how, how we can do it differently, you know, there's a lot of power there. So thank you for, for honoring what you were given and the message that you received at that Temple of Isis and, and for just being who you are in the world. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're quite welcome. Yeah. And so again, thebreastarchives.org, Megan Murphy, thank you. I can't even say thank you enough for, for this work and this gift that you've put out into the world. And I'm definitely going to do my part to help um, make it more available to more, more and more people. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a privilege to be on this journey and this conversation is a part of that. I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. And to all of our listeners out there, May you have a blessed day and until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.